Thanks to Audible for supporting The Productivity Show. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash TPS or text TPS to 500-500. Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. In this episode, I'm joined by Dave Kalo, a writer, author, and podcaster. Dave was the managing editor at the unofficial Apple weblog for eight years, where he covered major Apple releases, reviewed software and hardware, interviewed developers, produced podcasts and video, and oversaw the site's day-to-day editorial operations. He's also a regular contributor to Unclutterer, a website dedicated to home and office organization, and he joins us today to talk about digital clutter, what it is, where to find it, and how to deal with it. In this episode, Dave and I dive into the very real cost of clutter and the effect it has on your productivity. We give you a couple of simple questions to help you realize if you need some help clearing out digital clutter yourself and give you strategies for decluttering your digital life if you do. If you want to dive deeper in this topic, it's also the subject of this month's exclusive video course in the dojo. So stay tuned till the end of the show to find out how you can get access to it for just $1. You can find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 185. And now, on with the show. Dave Kalo, welcome back to The Productivity Show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. Absolutely. So we were chatting before we jumped on the call here. You've had a little bit of a crazy week, so I appreciate you making the time to talk to us about Digital decluttering. Thanks. I'm very happy to talk about digital decluttering. I think it's a, an important aspect that a lot of people overlook. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole big theme in the productivity space lately about essentialism and minimalism. And I think it's easy to understand the importance of that when it comes to physical stuff. Yeah. But a lot of times, like your your digital devices, which we'll talk about in this this episode here, like that can be a, a, a source of stress as well, but you don't even think about it because as soon as you close the lid on your laptop, it's out of sight, out of mind. Exactly what I was going to say. You don't see it anymore. It's not in front of your face. So you're not as aware of it as you would be, say, a cluttered desk or books piled up in your workspace. Exactly. So let's uh, let's start here at the beginning of the outline. And a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here, we dive even deeper in the dojo module that you had put together. So we've got a whole training course on digital decluttering. And at the end of the episode, we'll, sh- we'll tell you how you can get access to that for a dollar. Uh, but let's start with talking about what is clutter. Sure. Well, I've gone by, uh, maybe you hear my dogs, they're into clutter as well. I've gone by this definition that Dave and Alan used in the landmark book, Getting Things Done, which is anything that isn't where it's supposed to be. Um, That could be, like I said, the papers on your desk or the action step that's in that email. Um, So when something isn't where it's supposed to be, that's what I consider clutter. Yeah, and David Allen, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, it seems like that's the gateway drug for a lot of people into productivity <laughs> is getting things that's true. done. <laughs> uh, you also pointed out that clutter competes for your attention. And as we're recording this, uh, this is TPS 185, the episode before this, TPS 184, Tan and I talked about 
attention uh, specifically and the very real cost of the things that are vying for your attention. So I think that these episodes kind of go hand in hand. It's very timely that they're back to back. In that episode, I mentioned a, a topic that I picked up from the Hurry Slowly podcast with Jocelyn K. Glyer. Are you familiar with that one, Dave? I've heard of it, but I'm afraid I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. Well, she had somebody on in episode three, I believe, who brought up this idea of attention slavery, which Mm. I really think applies to this topic of digital decluttering. The point that the guest was making in that particular episode was that there are all these things that are vying for our attention. And if we let them claim our attention, we can quickly find ourselves dependent on those things. And we don't even think about it. We just spend all this time on social media, for example, without even thinking about it or, or email. You know, there's a lot of different things that are engineered to get your attention. But when you have your attention on one thing, that means that you're not thinking about another thing. And a lot of times that thing that you're supposed to be doing is in the back of your mind. You know that you're supposed to be doing something else. And that, like you talked about in the module here, decreases your productivity because you can't focus on the thing that you're supposed to be doing, but it also increases stress quite a bit. You're right. It's almost a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? You get in line at the bank. You sort of figure you have about 90 seconds to le- to wait. So you pull out your phone and you do a thing. It isn't even a conscious thought for many people. I mean, I can speak for myself that that's exactly what happens. Oh, I have a free minute. I have a free five minutes. I'm just going to do this thing real quickly. Instead of doing the more meaningful work or the work that pays the bills or whatever is important for you, it does decrease productivity for sure because... I've done this. I'm speaking from experience. I'll sit down on my computer. I have my, you know, my most important tasks that need to be done for the day written down. Everything is peachy keen and ready to go. And I think, ah, let me do this real quick. Um, so I've lost, even if it's two or three minutes of productivity time. I read a study where if you're concentrating on a certain topic and then you sort of go off the rails, you go have a conversation or you check Twitter or whatever it is, it could take up to 15 minutes to get yourself back in the zone again. And when this happens several times a day, it's a real uh, loss for your productivity. And of course, like you said, that will increase your stress because you realize, oh, gee, I've lost 15, I've lost 30, I've lost 45 minutes today. I'm not where I needed to be. I look at the time and I look at my to-do list for the day and, ooh, there's, a, there's some discord there. So yeah, it can absolutely uh, decrease your productivity and unfortunately increase your stress. I think that uh, Sean Blanc would call it the the just checks. And it can be when you're supposed to be working on something else, but it can also be when you're waiting in line at the store and you feel like there's nothing else that you could be doing right now. So you're just going to pull out your phone quick and you're going to just check Twitter or whatever. But you're conditioning your brain whenever you do that. Uh, And Twitter, Facebook, social media, email, all of those things are forms of digital clutter. But I mean, there's lots of other things that could fall into that category too. So how would you define digital clutter? For me, um, it's clutter, sort of like you mentioned earlier, whose physical counterpart is either hidden or completely non-existent to begin with. So think about something that's hidden. So let's see, you have several emails in your inbox and all of them have an action attached to them. I have to call this person. I need to fax this document. Well, if it's the 90s, I guess you're still faxing documents. Or I have to do B, C, <laughs> D, and E. You don't necessarily see that the way you might see um, a pack of index cards or papers in your physical inbox on your desk. So they're sort of hidden. And like you said earlier, they're out of sight, out of mind. 
Um, these things do add stress, even though you still can't see it. I love not to get back to David Allen again, but there's one point where he talks about your mind only knows you have to do a thing. It has no sense of time. I have to get this thing done. He gives the example of walking past the basement. And at one point you told yourself, oh, I'm going to go down there and organize the basement. So your brain makes a to-do item, organize the basement. And every time you walk past, you have that guilt, you have that stress because you're not doing it. Your brain just thinks, I have this thing to do, so I should be doing it at all times until it's done. Digital clutter could be so insidious because that physical, that visual prompt isn't there. So it's only when you sit down and look at the email or look at the digital photos that need to be sorted or do another just check that stress, I think, can be even a little higher. You can have that, like, even a mild overwhelmed feeling of, oh, geez, here's all these things I've not been paying attention to for, you know, X number of hours or days or whatever it is. So I think in a way, digital clutter can be even more insidious than its physical counterpart. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but it has all of the all of the negative consequences of physical yes. clutter. But uh, you you kind of think like, oh, well, I'm just going to make a compromise just this once or, you know, because I can fold up my laptop and I don't see it anymore, I put my phone back in my pocket, like there's no residual effect there, but there is. In fact, right. in the module, you talk about the two different types of digital clutter being files and a I'm curious to get your thoughts on, like we talked about, uh, you, you mentioned emails being a source of digital clutter, the things that you mm-hmm. have to take action on. And I know a lot of people who will fall into that category where they open their email client on their phone, they see something they need to do, they're not in a place to do anything with it, they can't handle it the right way right now. So they just let it sit there. So that right. obviously, that's associated with a file. But I also think, to your point, the insidious part here, the, the thing that doesn't seem like that big a deal, is the, that same effect on your attention. Because a lot of people, the fact that you know, sometimes they go into their email, sometimes there's something important there, a lot of times there's not, they feel like they have to check it. Same thing with those social media feeds, the fact that there's always something else on your timeline uh, you you feel like you have to go and see what's there so that you're caught up to speed with everything that's going on in your world. Yeah, and something you just missing right there is uh, I'm sure you've heard of the fear of missing out. Um, I think that drives a lot of the attention we spend on social media. Well, I might miss this important news item, or I might miss this comment from this person who's you know who I admire or. I might miss this important business opportunity if I'm not paying attention to my Twitter or Facebook or my Instagram or whatever it is right now. Um, And that can be really insidious to use the word again, for sure. And I also think of prompting. So think of if you walk into your kitchen and there are dishes in the sink, that's the prompt to wash the dishes. Or if you look at the laundry basket and it's pretty high, that's the prompt to go ahead and do your laundry. Well, in the same way, standing uh, idle at the bank can become the prompt to do a just check. Um, Or having five minutes while you're waiting for your cab to arrive can become the prompt. And that's where it becomes super dangerous because it's not, again, a conscious decision. It's sort of, here's the situation prompting me and here's the behavior that it now elicits. Right, right. Now, you have a couple of examples here of uh, digital clutter. I think these are a lot pertain to what we're talking about with attention, but I guess it could pertain to files too. You want to run us through these real quick? Sure. The first is notifications. Um, Your phone 
might ding or send up a little ba- uh, number every time something happens. This is emails are real biggie here. Social media is a real biggie here. Every time you think of like, um, a th- a, I think of a three-year-old tugging on my pant leg saying, hey, pay attention. I, n- I need to share this with you. Badges are another thing. Uh, I know iOS and Android will put a little numbered badge on the uh, icon saying you have five emails or four notifications here or really anything that steals your attention um, from one of your devices can be in this category. Notifications, I love to whittle that down to what's absolutely necessary. Your work might require you to be on top of email all day long, and I understand that. Um, Same thing if you're a social media manager, you may need to pay close attention to that. But also pay attention to the hours during which you're required to do those things because they can really, really rob you of a lot of attention. And those are sort of the things that um, we mentioned earlier don't have a physical representative here in the in the real world. Right, right. We've got some interesting questions coming in through the uh, the podcast channel and the, the Slack team for the from the dojo where we're oh, uh, recording this live. So I'm going to kind of sprinkle these in as we go here. Uh, regarding the examples, one of the things that Nate Lowry brought up is the fact that you may have a bunch of open screens on your computer. Do you mm. define those as digital clutter? I know that there's the the John Syracuse's of the world where they have a million windows open and they've got their system. <laughs> uh, do you right. think that those open screens, though, on, on your digital device, like that could be a, a source of clutter? And how would you recommend people deal with that? I think you uh, hit the answer in your description there. And is it part of a system? Um, when I was working for AOL, I was notorious for having in Safari just tabs for days. And But in each tab, I had a specific thing. I had the far left was my working tab. So that's where the CMS was, or that's where my text editor was. And then I had um, immediate research tabs uh, to the right of that. And to the left of that was maybe so, I'm sorry, to the far right was social I needed to pay attention to, but not urgently. So there was a method to the madness, I guess you could say. So that way it was just me working the trusted system. And I think that might be what John does as well. If multiple screens is the system that works for you, then great. But if you do come to a point where you're saying, oh gosh, where was that? And why do I have this open? And that's the situation, then I would say it might be cluttered. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, when you're jumping back and forth between these things, if you find yourself looking at the screen that you feel like you had to switch to and you have that thought like, what am I supposed to do with this again? (laughs) You're probably dealing with digital clutter. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we've all had the experience where you leave one room of your house and you walk into the other and you have to think, why did I walk into this room again? I guess this is the digital equivalent. (laughs) Right, right. So there's a couple important distinctions here for things that are not digital clutter because, and I think we should go over these because I have definitely been in that position where I've looked at my computer and especially when it gets low on disk space, I start looking for things that I can right. I can get rid of. Uh, but there are some things that you shouldn't just label as clutter and hit the delete key. Uh, what would you define as not digital clutter? Things that you should actually hold on to. For sure. And I think this is an important distinction. Just because you have, let's say, photos on your computer that you don't always look at every day, they wouldn't be considered clutter. So what I would say, things that are examples of not digital clutter are files that are in storage. I use Evernote exclusively for things that I consider like my cold storage. This is stuff that doesn't require an action, but contains information that might be useful down the road. So that stuff lives in Evernote. A lot of us use, I'm sure, cloud storage like Box.net or Dropbox or Google Drive. 
they might hold things like assets for a project. That's not clutter because that's part of your storage again. You don't need to do an action with those things right now, but they might be useful later. I mentioned photos because we all have you know, countless photos. If you have photos and music that you enjoy, that's completely fine. Back in, when I was a kid, you pulled out the old shoebox from underneath mom's bed to look at photos. They weren't clutter. They were just waiting in storage. So if you've got photos in Apple Photos or Google Photos or wherever you like to store them, I wouldn't consider that clutter. The difference here between these things that I just listed and something like the email lingering that has an action attached to it they haven't attended to is obligation. So at any time, I'm not obligated to review the files that I've gotten Evernote or review the assets for a certain project or really fiddle with my music or photos. Whereas if there's that action in email or that DM I need to follow up on, there is a bit of obligation on my part. And I think that's how we could sort of define either side of that fence. I like that definition that there's no obligation associated with them. But I also think, and I'm curious to get your thought on this. So your files and storage, your assets for a project, photos, music you enjoy. These are all things that I can see piling up on somebody's desktop potentially. So in (laughs) that particular case, it's clutter, isn't it? And and what is the, I think I know what you're going to say, but how would you classify uh, the definition when something crosses over from being clutter to not clutter. Right. Uh, again, I would go back to David's definition of it's not where it's supposed to be. Let's say you have those assets for a project that are living in your desktop. You put a folder right on the desktop because you're actively working on this project and you need access to those things. Now the project is done or it's on pause for whatever reason, it's time to move them to where they need to be. Maybe you have a designated long-term for, I'm sorry, storage folder. Maybe that's local. Maybe that's not. Maybe you're doing a little bit of both. Um, I would say, and we'll get to this a little bit later. I know we mentioned this in the uh, dojo, the dojo module as well. But there's a schedule you can use for, I guess, mindfully purging what you have. And when you do that, I think that might address when you sit down and think about, do I need this here? Is this where it's supposed to live for all time? That can help you make that decision. Yeah, exactly. So that that's good. And I'm glad you reiterated that it's just not in the right place. So the fact right. that the thing is the thing doesn't necessarily make it digital clutter, but where it happens to be stored could be the difference between it being clutter or not clutter. Yeah, for sure. And then you kind of hinted at this, uh, but we have a question from the Dojo chat regarding Evernote and other storage. Wouldn't stuff that's no longer relevant or needed mm-hmm. be cluttered? Shouldn't you go through it once in a while, clear out those things? Uh, I believe you just answered that. Yes, you should. And in the Dojo video course, uh, there's a recommended schedule for, I think there's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, every six months, and even yearly tasks for, I, love, I like the term you use, mindful purging. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We have a like I said, schedules on each of those, uh, or I'm sorry, tasks to perform on each of those schedules that when you keep on top of it, it makes it much, much easier. We kind of talked a little bit about the diverted attention, but what are Mm -hmm. the other ways that digital clutter can be harmful? Boy, for me, it's just an invitation to procrastination. And I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it absolutely does. (laughs) So let's say you are going through photos. Um, Boy, that just elicits a lot of memories and feelings, doesn't it? And the next thing you know, you've wasted, or not wasted, you've spent half an hour or 45 minutes looking at photos when you're trying to purge things. Or let's say you are going through an old backup drive 
and you're trying to think about what do I need to continue to back up? What should I get rid of? Perhaps you're trying to save a little storage like you mentioned earlier. And flipping through that can, again, really be a serious invitation to just time spent procrastinating. It also, and this goes hand in hand with what I just said, it, it does waste a lot of time. Now, I say this to my kids all the time. Time is the only real precious commodity we have. You know, all the money, all the cars, all the fancy house mean nothing if you're out of time. You know, would you, would you rather lose $10 or 10 years? I'll give up the $10 anymore. And when you realize that how precious time is, then you see you really don't want to waste any. Having that stuff lying around, unfortunately, uh, helps that happen. Yeah, that was the thing that really got me invested, I guess, in the the whole idea of productivity was having kids <laughs> and recognizing yeah, for that sure. they grew up fast. And uh, I, w- I think that it's important to call out here that there are things that aren't necessarily time wasters, but mm-hmm. if you're doing them instead of the thing that you should be doing at any given moment, they are indeed wasting your time. Like you were talking about going through those photos, not necessarily wasting time, but it could be if the goal is to get through those photos. <laughs> if your intention is just to go look at all the photos that you have from last year's vacation and enjoy them again, that's completely fine. The, right. That's not wasting it, but it's it's the intention behind how you want to be spending the time at that given moment. Yep, exactly. And of course, I, and along those lines, I'm never saying... I'm not saying never whip out your phone and do have a quick little game. You know, if you're if you're ha- in what I would consider leisure time, and that's what you want to do, knock yourself out, have a great time. I mean, I certainly play silly little games too when it's the end of the day or when I'm not really in a productive mode. So continue to have fun with your devices. Just do so mindfully. Hey, Productivity Show listeners. I'm extremely excited to announce that this episode is sponsored by Audible. If you like podcasts like this one, you'll probably also love audiobooks, and no one offers a better selection of audiobooks than Audible. I've used Audible myself for years and love it. You know why? Because audiobooks are great for helping you develop a growth mindset and become a better you. And for the Productivity Show audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. No matter what you're looking for, if you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Just go to audible.com slash TPS or text TPS to 500-500 and browse their unmatched selection of audio content. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new, Audible has an audiobook for that. I've been listening to Will It Fly by internet entrepreneur Pat Flynn which is jam-packed with helpful tips to get your next business idea off the ground. The book includes several digital resources to help you validate and launch your idea. And what I love about the Audible version is that Pat not only narrates the book himself, several times he goes off script and adds commentary you won't find in the printed version. Of course, you don't have to accept my recommendation. You can download and listen to any of the audiobooks that Audible has to offer. And whatever book you decide to get, it's yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen to your audiobooks at any time, even if you cancel your membership. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial today by going to audible.com slash TPS or text TPS to 500-500. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash TPS or text TPS to 500-500. 
Our thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of The Productivity Show. How do I know if I'm dealing with clutter? And is this something, I guess, follow-up question that everybody is prone to or deals with? Well, I I don't really know. I, I, I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but a lot of the people that I work with during the day and interact with during the day professionally and even outside of, of work do struggle with this on one extreme or another. Um, there is a great book that I mentioned in the Dojo module called The Joy of Missing Out by Christina Cook. Uh, perhaps some of your listeners have heard of it. And she delves into this topic extensively in the book. And it's really interesting. She asks her readers to ask themselves two questions at the end of the day. And I think answering these two questions will help us suss out, well, how the day went. First question is, what today was most life-giving? And what today was most life-taking? When you sit and give yourself 10 minutes of quiet, maybe make some tea or whatever you like, and really answer these questions honestly, at the end of the day, I think you'll find, at least my experience, was that clutter was really the source of the life-taking activities. Time I spent getting my desk in order or fishing for the one email I needed in in my email client because I didn't sort it properly the first time or same thing with photos. Where's that picture of the kids with the sled dog? Oh, I can't find it and I'm scrolling and scrolling. I always remember one time um, when I was working for a museum my supervisor said, oh, I want to show you this email. Can you just come for, oh, yes, yeah, I'm at her desk. And she's scrolling through five, literally 5,000 emails in her box <laughs> to try to find the one she wanted to find me. And I thought, wow, not only she's wasting my time, but this, this poor person is working like this every day. And when you a- ask these questions like, what was most life-taking? Well, that search was pretty life-taking. So what could we do there? Yeah, and what is really speaking to me from these two questions that you shared, and I had have not read this book, but I really like these questions, mm-hmm. uh, is that there are things that will happen to you that there is nothing you can do about. You know, we were going to record this tomorrow, but you got pulled into a meeting. You can't do anything about that. But right. the clutter, a lot of that stuff is completely within your sphere of influence, your control. So in essence, if you are answering the question, what to do is most life-taking, and a lot of the time, it's clutter, it's kind of self-sabotage. Yeah, but that's the good news, isn't it? That the solution is entirely within your power and your capability. So You are the problem and the solution. (laughs) Right, right. So when you recognize, oh boy, this was problematic for me all week long, now you have a point of entry for making a solution. Right. Now, so where would you recommend that we look for digital clutter? If we identify the fact that we want to get this stuff out of our life, where should we start? Oh boy, there are so many places. Um, Old USB drives. I found one that had a website I built maybe 10 years ago on it that I haven't updated or it hasn't even existed online in 10 years. Why is it still sitting there? I don't know. You might have some of those things in a mug or in a drawer at your desk. Just go through anything that's good salvageable, keep it, put it into your long-term storage, and the others, just get rid of. You'll be surprised at how good you feel just from that simple task. CDs are another one. Um, Are there CDs that you have old files stored on that you don't need? Do you have music CDs you could perhaps rip and make a digital copy? Um, Some people like to keep physical CDs, uh, music CDs around as an analog backup, and I think that's great. 
If you have some that are just sort of there and you don't know why, ask yourself why. The same goes for DVDs. I have a lot of backups on DVDs. Some of them are files that, again, I really don't need to access ever again. Um, If there's something that's on there that I do want to save, I'll pull off and save it. Old computers are a huge source of digital clutter. They're like little magnets for digital clutter, aren't they? If you're getting rid of a computer or you have one you don't use anymore, or maybe you're going to repurpose it in the home to do something different, go through the drive and find out, again, what can I save and what really doesn't matter anymore and let those things go. Old gaming consoles. We had a Wii U that was nothing but a dust magnet that we just weren't using anymore. We were able to clean up and donate. So um, those are some really prime sources of digital clutter that are probably in a lot of your listeners' homes. Yeah, the old gaming consoles that... Uh, that that resonates with me too because uh, <laughs> we've got a Nintendo Switch that we got last year, but yeah. we also have a Wii sitting around that, if I'm honest, the kids play it like once a month or something. <laughs> Occasionally they'll go back and they'll play like the Wii Sports and stuff, but uh, probably about once a month, as often as the kids play it, my yeah. wife tries to convince me that we should get rid of it. And for whatever <laughs> reason, <laughs> I'm reluctant to to let it go, but uh, I've Going through this module made me realize that seeing it next to the TV every time we turn the TV on, which honestly isn't isn't that often, but it's sitting in our living room. You know, every time I see that old gaming console, that is a source, uh, a source of, of clutter. And then when the kids want to play the game and the game isn't in the case and the batteries are dead and the remotes <laughs> and all that stuff, like that's life taking. Going back to what you were talking about with Christina Cook and the joy of missing out. When you turn on the TV and you see the old Wii sitting there, is there a part of you that thinks, boy, I should do something about that? I should make a decision on that because that's the kind of thing that nags me. Like I'll walk past that thing several times and think, boy, I should act on that. Or when I launch a client, ooh, I should go in here and, 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 and manage that. Yep, it definitely. And I know that it's a completely inefficient to have that thought every time I see it, but it still happens <laughs> and I keep putting it off. So for sure. Well, <laughs> you're not alone. Got me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how do you declutter your old hardware after you've identified the USB drives, CDs, DVDs, old computers, or old gaming consoles that you want to get rid of? Sure. Well, I think I touched on step one, which is ID any wanted files. So if I was going through that old USB drive, there might be some pictures on there I'd like to save. Um, When you're going through an old computer, an old something like that, look for something that you want to save. There might be a few gems on there that can go into your storage and live there legitimately. Uh, next, uh, move to a safer location, then defi- decide on that device's future. Are you going to repurpose it to do something new in your home? Or are you going to donate it? Maybe it's an old computer that a rec center or some scouts or a school in your town could use. If that's the case, you want to make sure you can safely get it ready for public use. You know, delete everything, start from scratch, get all of your stuff off of there. If none of the above, you might want to recycle it. I know that some of the big box stores here in the States will take old electronics and recycle them. If not, you might want to look for the refuge center in your town where you live and ask. A lot of these places have programs. Will these take these things away for you? Yeah. One of the things that I never really considered before was the fact that older technologies, like you mentioned, there's a lot of places that would love to receive an old iMac or an old MacBook. And uh, it's it, a lot of times is is worth more to them than the hundred bucks I'd get for it on, on Gazelle. 
For sure. There might be, um, I mean, out here, just thinking there's a bunch of summer camps that they call them for kids who are into electronics and maybe they will learn how to remove a hard drive on your old machine or how to install some RAM on your machine. And for them, that's a really valuable lesson. Absolutely. Uh, Nate had asked if you run a, a form, going back to like the, uh, the, the files that you want to keep, mm-hmm. um, do you run a version control system like Git to deal with change management and reduce the clutter of passing active files around? Or do you not go that deep with your wanted files? You just make sure that they're stored somewhere. Yeah, that's really, there's a really a specific answer. At work, I do have to maintain versions of certain files, and we use a system there at work that's really unique to the work I do. I live in the, I work in human services, and there's, there's lots of regulations, <laughs> like as I'm sure you could guess. So we have really sort of, I guess, field specific rules on that. But outside of work, in my own personal life, I really don't do any uh, version tracking or anything like that. Nice. Okay. Talk to me about smartphone. How do we declutter a smartphone? And you've got the the very first one here. I really like this. Yeah. Well, you were asking earlier about where can we look to find digital clutter. We saved this one for its own bullet point because I think the smartphone uh, today is the biggest source of digital clutter for a lot of people. Apps that you don't use and a whole bunch of other things. Here's something that I suggest. It's kind of radical, but I think your listeners will find a benefit. On a Sunday, move everything off of your home screen. Yes, everything, even the little dock in the bottom. Move everything off to your home screen so it's completely blank. As you use an app over the course of the next week, move it back to the home screen. One at a time. Ooh, I used email. I'm going to move that back up. Up. Oh, I used Twitter. I'm going to move that back up. You can even arrange them on the home screen to represent the frequency with which you use them. For instance, if you use email twice, three times, four times, good. Put it in the upper left. If you use Twitter again and again and again, put it next to email. As the end of the week approaches and finally arrives, stop and look at what made the grade and got it itself back on the home screen and what didn't. Those ones that are on back of the home screen, perhaps you've spilled into screen two a little bit too. That's fine. They are high use, high frequency apps. They have earned a spot. It's like Survivor. They can stay on the island. The others have a good hard look and think, do I really need this? Am I really using this? There's a lot of what I call someday apps um, on a lot of people's phones. I have a few of them too where I think, I don't want to delete this because maybe someday I'll use it. But then eight, nine months later, you've never used it. So take a look at the ones that have won the opportunity to stay on your phone and then take a real hard look at the others and think, do they stay or do they go? I love this. And I especially love it if you, like you mentioned uh, that you do this for, even if you did it for just a short period of time, like a week yeah. and you put the high use items near the, the top, you would basically have a visual representation of your smartphone priorities. And I think a yeah. lot of people would say, Oh, I don't use my phone for Twitter or email that much. But I know on the iPhone, for example, if you pull down and you access spotlight, it's got the Siri app suggestions Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Siri app suggestions on your iPhone, you may be uh, a little bit embarrassed by what shows up there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can lie to yourself, but you can't lie to your phone about what you use. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one you've got here is disable badge notifications. I love this suggestion as well. So badge notifications, these are the the red dot 
which uh, some people, you know, they'll have their unread email messages and it'll be in the the thousands. Like I see that on a phone screen and I, I I freak out a little bit, but uh, uh, how do you, how do you turn these, these off? Now you have a little bit of experience with Android, correct? I do. I've been running an Android phone for about two years now, which is very strange for me. Um, Basically, I wanted an adventure and to try something new. So I went out and I bought a Pixel. Um, I've had it for almost two years now and I've had a great time. But again, it's amazing how stressed I get when I see a badge with a number in it. Maybe it's just me, but if it's like 5, 6, 10, 15, I think, oh my gosh, I really ought to be paying attention to that. When you really... And I'll give it the caveat, if your job requires you to be on top of these things, like I said, all day long, that's great. Um, Otherwise, seeing that number in a little red badge um, really stresses me out. So on the iPhone, you can go to settings and you'll see notifications and you can turn them off app by app or you can do one fell swoop and just turn it off and everything. Again, your work life and home life will dictate what apps really cannot be turned off. And Android is pretty much the same way. You'll go to the settings app and you'll find uh, the notifications, not settings, what they call it, preferences. And you'll find the notifications, and you can again turn them off. So I've turned them off for email. I've turned them off for all socials. Um, I really only get constant notifications from um, text messaging, just in case my kids or my wife are, are trying to reach me. But it was really liberating to not see those little red circles with the numbers in them anymore. Right, right. And I know on the iPhone, uh, a lot of times if you have apps in a folder, you'll see the the red badge on the folder and it's kind of hard to tell right. which app the badges refer to so you can clear them out. But if you 3D touch, I guess is the, the definition, Apple's always coming out with different versions of this, but yeah. uh, 3D touch, uh, uh, it'll give you the little, uh, the little pop-up where it'll show you where you can rename the folder, but it'll also tell you where the badge alerts are coming from. So if you have five, I've got an Apple folder, for example, and maybe I've got five for messages and two for the app store, it'll break it down by app, which is, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's really nice. But that's if you're going to leave them on at all. And general practice, as you just told us, is to disable those. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure some of your listeners know David Sparks. He's over at Max Sparky. And one of the, I remember once he published a blog post that was just two sentences, I think. It said, the best productivity advice I can give you is turn off your email notifications. <laughs> I thought, that's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Which kind of gets into the next point here, reviewing the notifications. So on iOS, this is basically the same same place. You go to, like you said, the settings and the notifications, and you can see all the apps that you've granted the ability to interrupt you at any given time. And uh, I know every time I go in here, I'm shocked by how many applications I've... Because ex- on, on the iPhone, I know that you have to explicitly grant them access, but it's always amazing how many... <laughs> are on that list that yeah. have access to either notifications or the banners or the badges. Yeah, I'll bet you'll be surprised if you go on there and take a look. And I love that you call it grant them the opportunity to interrupt you. That's basically we're saying, okay, all of you line up. You folks are free to interrupt me at any point during the day. Um, yeah, go and take a look at that. It's in a similar location um, in Android. And you might be surprised at how many apps have that explicit invitation. Uh, any other tips for decluttering a smartphone? Yeah, definitely purge your text messages. Not only do they take up space, but again, 
you probably don't need what's in there, for, or at least a majority of what's in there. For me, it's just a lot of goofy stuff back and forth with my wife and my kids, and it's just sort of sitting there not doing anything. Um, the same with voicemails. If you listen to a voicemail and there's something in there that requires action, it should be out of your voicemail and into your trusted system, uh, whatever you use for that project. And again, um, anything with more than two steps, I consider a project. So, you know, launch a website and get an oil change are both projects, even though they're markedly different things. So get the important information out of your text messages and out of your voicemails, put them in your trusted system, and then just delete the messages. I've definitely been guilty of that, of just leaving my voicemails pile up. <laughs> I've gotten the notification before that says, you know, 95% yeah. full or whatever. <laughs> then you go in and you realize that I got voicemails in here from three years ago. Like, <laughs> Yes, and I've done the same thing. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for calling those out because a lot of times, you know, we're talking about digital clutter, out of sight, out of mind. You don't even realize that that those things are there. It's true. Uh, we also, in the video course, we talk about how to declutter your email, declutter your cloud storage, declutter social media, declutter your desktop. We talked about the maintenance schedule that's in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but what is the one thing that you would tell people to do to start decluttering their digital life? If you had to give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them to do? Oh boy. Uh, I would say set some time aside on a day when you don't have a lot of other pressing work to do. Maybe you have an hour on a Saturday or an hour on a Sunday where you can sit down or maybe even make this part of your um, weekly review if you do that. And just start to write down a list of what you think might be possible sources. Don't even go poking around those sources yet. But just look around the house and think, okay, my phone, uh, my laptop, my old console, and start to write these things down about where you might start looking. And then just leave that. Don't, you don't have to get too busy just yet. Um, and after a week goes by, you might think of other sources or you might realize a different source you didn't think of. Like, oh, well, um, I don't know. I almost said the CD changer in my car, but it's not 1989 anymore. <laughs> but you might add to that list as a week goes by. And then the following week, look at the list and then start to go through uh, one, one at a time using some of the stuff we've talked about here and some of the lessons you'll learn in the dojo module. Nice. And then there's uh, a couple tools that you call out in the video course as well for automating this. And that's the part that's exciting to me because digital decluttering, you know, we've talked about the problem of clutter and things that you can do to get a handle on it, but it doesn't always have to be a manual process. Oh, absolutely not. Um, you can have a, your digital companion help you with the project. Um, one of the things I suggest is Gmail. I love Gmail. I've been using it for such a very long time. And there are so many tools that are available from Google itself and from third-party developers everywhere. If you use Chrome too, there are extensions you can use to help you move things automatically to a different folder or to sort things according to star or tag that you set up um, that will help really allow you to take control of this without a lot of manual input from yourself. There's, I'm just so many to mention. I think it's very powerful. So if you're using Gmail, uh, look around and see what you can find. You can automate a lot of uh, moving messages from A to B without you even having to pay attention. Yeah, I'm also impressed by the amount of free tools that are available in Gmail. Uh, if you don't use Gmail for whatever reason, another tool that you had called out in the video course is SaneBox, which Brooks and I talked about not too long ago in the 
email superchargers uh, episode. I know you mentioned you're a heavy sandbox user. Do you want to give us a, a little bit of a, a glimpse into how you use this? Sure. I do love Sandbox. I just signed I just signed up for my second year. It is platform agnostic, so it doesn't care what you're using to get email from. And what it does is it monitors what's coming in. It learns from your behavior plus the information you feed it what you consider important, what you consider not important, and what you don't want to see at all. That's kind of a simplification, but really that's what it does. So when you first sign up, you'll give it your password and your all your information. Um, don't be scared. It's okay. And then it will see what you interact with very often. And those will be considered your high-priority emails, and you'll see them right away. It'll notice things that you don't pay attention to very often, and it puts them into a folder that it has created called Sane Later. And those things automatically start going into that area, and then you'll get a digest on a schedule that you define weekly, monthly, or I'm sorry, daily, weekly, whenever you'd like to see this list of emails that weren't put directly in front of your eyes. Um, and then there's my favorite, the Sane Black Hole folder. If you move something into Sane Black Hole, it learns you never, ever want to see that again, and you don't ever see that again. If you don't want to unsubscribe to the thing, move it to Sane Black Hole, and you'll never see it again. Um, there's more, even more fiddly tools that you can get as detailed with you want as you want with that filtering. But in the time I've had it, I found it really incredible at sussing out itself what I want to see and what I don't. Um, in that digest email, you can go and see what it moved where. So if it made a mistake, you can tell it, no, from now on, put this here. Um, but oftentimes, it'll say, hey, here's some things you moved. Do you want to confirm them? And I'll say, yeah, this goes here, this goes here. And from then on, you don't ever have to do this again. And what I really love, my favorite part of Sanebox is in that digest, it gives you a number of how many minutes you saved by not having to look at these emails that moved into the same later box. And it's so exciting when it says you saved 22 minutes because you didn't have to move these or delete these on your own. And boy, that's that's pretty exciting. Which may not seem like a lot, but it adds up quick if you're saving 22 minutes every day, for example. Right. It absolutely does. And um, in the time I've been using it, I've just completely trust it right now. I let it move things on its own. I've In the beginning, I would find some false negatives. But that hasn't happened in months and months and months. I absolutely love it. It starts at just seven bucks a month, I think, for a single email address and goes up from there. For me, it's I think it's completely worth it. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify regarding giving them your information, uh, they do not look at the contents of your email. I know they look at the sender, the subject mm -hmm. line, and what you do with it. And just on that limited information, it does a really great job, like you said, of identifying what you want to see and what you don't want to see. Uh, yeah. Also worth calling out, there's a, a discount for Samebox inside the dojo. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, go and grab that. All right. And then the last one here you mentioned is Hazel. Uh, I have to admit, I have limited experience with Hazel. But uh, for people who aren't familiar with Hazel, again, there's a discount code for this in the dojo. Uh, but what does, <laughs> what does Hazel do? Hazel allows you to apply rules not to your email like Samebox does, but um, to your Mac in general. For instance, one of the prime sources of digital clutter is that downloads folder, right? You never look in there or you rarely look in there. And the times you do, oh my goodness, here's a million things that I've been downloading and forgetting about. You can, for example, tell Hazel to, on a schedule that you determine, 
go in there and just move everything to the trash or move it somewhere else. So it can do a lot of these little piddly tasks for you and save you a whole lot of time in sweeping up after digital clutter wherever you tell it to look. Awesome. So obviously, if people want to dive deeper in this topic, they can check out the video course that you put together for the dojo. Uh, Where else can people go to connect with you, Dave? Sure. If you want to chit-chat on Twitter, I am at David Kalo, and I'm usually on there during the day and a little bit in the evening. Um, My website, I don't update very often, but if you want to go and look and maybe you'll get lucky, it's uh, 52tiger.net. That's numeral 52tiger.net. And um, who knows, maybe there'll be something new. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Dave. Thanks for having me. I loved it. If you want to dive deeper on this topic, this month's featured video course in the dojo is just for you. In the video course, Dave shares even more practical tips for dealing with digital clutter. In addition to the steps that we gave you today for decluttering your smartphone, the video course walks you through how to declutter email, cloud storage, social media, your desktop, and much more. It even gives you a suggested maintenance schedule to help you clear clutter for good. So if you want to dig into the topic of digital decluttering and get a little help from the exclusive video course, then we've got a very special offer for you. By joining the dojo, you get access not only to the digital decluttering course, but all of our dojo training courses, including topics like the 12-week year, journaling, deep work, simple systems, and much more. The dojo also gives you access to a community of like-minded achievers who can help you not just talk about but take action on your goals. Now, here's the best part. As a podcast listener, you can get access to the entire dojo for only $1 for your first month. But this offer is just for podcast listeners. So if you want to take advantage of this very special offer, you have to go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You'll get access to the whole dojo, including the private video training library with new courses added every month, the community, which can help hold you accountable for reaching your goals, And you'll get direct access to myself, Brooks, Tan, and the rest of the Asian Efficiency team. But that special $1 for your first month offer is only available at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 185. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast as it really helps us out and helps other people find out about the show. The show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered and get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.